You're listening to the Calm Mind Toolkit podcast, where I will be chatting with a range of health and wellness professionals who will be sharing their tools and experiences around physical and mental health. I'm your host, Helen Stammers, occupational therapist and founder of the Calm Mind Toolkit, and I'm here to help you build your toolkit of skills in resilience, confidence and calm. Let's get started with today's conversation. So today I'm joined by Alex Allen, who's a registered nutritional therapist. Um, She helps people with a wide range of health concerns using nutrition and lifestyle changes. I hope I've explained that right. So hi, Alex. Oh, hi, Helen. Lovely to be here today. Thank you. Oh, thanks for coming along. Um, I'm really fascinated in this subject of nutrition because of my work with, with mental health. And actually, there is so much interaction between our nutrition and our health and our mental well-being but actually I think we don't really know that much about it so I wonder if we can start just saying what generally what you do. Yeah absolutely so um, as you said I'm a registered nutritional therapist and nutritionist and I work one-to-one with clients to help them with various health conditions so I have a specialist interest in gut and hormone health um, but obviously, with any of those things, so like IBS, perimenopause, PCOS, those kinds of things. But alongside that, obviously, mental health issues come in too, because they're often symptoms of those conditions. And also, I deal with people just generally in terms of kind of mood disorders as well. Because as you know, we're going to discuss, there's so much that you can do in terms of diet and lifestyle change mm-hmm. in order to help you um, improve your mood. Obviously, alongside the kind of things that you do, Helen, as well. But I think it's another part of the puzzle in getting yeah. you feeling better um, and feeling more yourself again. Yeah, I think it's really important. I think we can overlook it because sometimes it's hard to make those changes. But yeah, that, that, the whole concept of what I'm working on is building the tools to make sure that we have good physical and mental health. And it does take looking at lots of these different elements and valuing them as something that is important. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think often you get kind of general guidelines just to eat a balanced diet, drink enough water, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, you know, limit your alcohol and caffeine. But they're so generalised that often people don't really understand why they should be doing those things or how important it is directly to their brain health and their mood function. So, yeah, hopefully I can explain a bit more about that today because I think that really incentivises people to make the change if they understand how it works and why it helps them rather than it just being these kind of general um, guidelines. Yeah, it doesn't feel very motivating otherwise. No. no. <laughs> oh, yeah. We know the things we should do, but it's not always very. Yeah. <laughs> um, how does food influence mood? Would you say? Well, in in sort of so, I'd say in the main um, the main ways, often with blood sugar balance. So basically, you know, if you're skipping meals or you're eating a lot of refined foods, this can mean that your blood sugar is kind of all over the shop and that can leave you feeling jittery, um, which again can worsen kind of anxiety and mood. So, for example, if you ever feel that you can't go three three hours without a meal 
or you have that real slump in the afternoon, or if you don't eat, you're feeling hangry and irritated and whatever, those could be signs that your blood sugar isn't quite as balanced as it should be. And that can really, really affect your mood in terms of either anxiety or in fact, low mood as well. Because basically when you have those feelings, that means you've gone into kind of low blood sugar or hypoglycemia. And that means that you're getting a lack of fuel to your brain and your whole of your body, basically the whole, everything wants to do is make sure that your brain has enough energy, enough glucose to kind of power it to keep going. Because obviously that's the kind of center, center of your body. So if you're getting to a position where that's not happening, then that's going to really, really affect how you feel. And yeah, and it's something that I have to say with all of my clients, I have to say I've yet to meet a client that I don't have to deal with blood sugar balance is the very first thing that we that we do because um, it's so common, it's so common. Basically today, you know, the sort of diets that we eat, that all of us, you know, everybody eats kind of cereal for breakfast, sandwiches for lunch. You're basically just having a lot of very refined carbohydrates. And what, what that means is that they've had the fiber stripped out. And so that means that they can be digested and absorbed quite quickly. Um, and that means that we can have a very rapid absorption of glucose, means we get really high blood sugar quite quickly. That's quite dangerous to the body. So our body very naturally produces insulin, which is the hormone to tidy that blood sugar away, either pop it into cells for energy or to pop it into fat for storage so that it kind of gets it out of there as as, as quickly as possible. But what what happens if you have that very refined foods, you know, things like um, white bread or white pasta, you know, crisps, chocolate, cakes, that sort of thing. It means that your blood sugar goes up very rapidly and sometimes it can kind of sort of overshoot it slightly, which means that you can then go into where it's stored away far too efficiently and you end up in that low blood sugar, which is often the feel, you know, the feeling that people have mid-afternoon. And that immediately sends you rushing to get some more fuel because your body doesn't know that you're not you're not in a food desert. You know, we're here able to, most people are mm. able to access food quite swiftly. Um, and that puts you on that sort of blood sugar roller coaster. But that is what's going to really affect how you feel because you're mm. constantly putting your body into a period of stress. Every time you go into that low blood sugar mode, your body doesn't know that you're not <clears throat> entering famine, excuse me, or something similar. And so it can end up producing stress hormones. So producing adrenaline um, in order, you know, that makes you feel a bit jittery. And also in the long term, if it continues to happen, producing cortisol, which again is, is another stress hormone. So if you're in a position where you've already got a lot of stress in your life that you're dealing with that's causing you know, anxiety or low mood, you don't want to add to your stress bucket by having a blood sugar mm-hmm. imbalance. So yeah. um see yeah. how yeah, an overload of of those hormones that are just going to keep our body. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so the, the, the aim, the way to do that is really quite simple. It's to make sure that you have, um, what I always say to my clients is to have three good meals a day and no snacks, unless you have a specific medical condition and your GP has advised it, which obviously always with any nutrition advice, check with your GP or healthcare provider. But other than that, most people can have three good meals a day and they don't need snacks in between. Um, And if you have lovely balanced meal at each of those, you've got protein in there, healthy fats, that's gonna stop that big blood sugar spike. That's gonna mean that you you sort of have that energy um, into your bloodstream sort of more slowly and more balanced throughout the day. And just going to three meals a day, no snacks, with a good balanced meal, makes a massive difference to people's moods and their energy levels wow so because 
it can be really confusing out there in terms of advice because I remember always thinking that little and often was something that was promoted and um, um and you're right Helen it absolutely was but unfortunately they're constantly getting new research and, and new information and the guidelines now really do stand at at three meals a day is the, is the is the best is the best way to be or even some people do kind of time restricted and move to two meals a day but again you need to check with your healthcare provider before you were to do any of those things but yeah we've moved away so in the 90s there was very much the high carbohydrate low fat eating little and often um and now the research is really showing that that's more how our grandparents would have eaten you know sort of three good meals a day with protein at every meal <clears throat> is the best way to to, mm. to deal with it now. But you're right, there's so much conflicting information out there. It can be very confusing for people. I, I do appreciate that. I wonder if the three meals a day is making, like you said, they're good meals, where I think maybe people end up eating more regularly because, like you said, they're getting those spikes in sugar. So you're feeling like yes. you have to eat more regularly. Um, so maybe not having the protein at breakfast, lunch and dinner means that you're going to feel that like you said, that slump. Absolutely. I always get people to start with breakfast um, and to make that change. So if they can ditch the kind of sugary cereals and move to either having eggs for breakfast or yeah. making sure that if they have porridge, they include lots of nuts and seeds to make sure they have that great protein element in there. And okay. that can make a huge difference. Like all of a sudden they're able to go through to lunch without feeling the need to snack around 11. Yeah. Um, it can make a massive difference to people um, and yeah and just having that calmer blood sugar having that it means that your body's not your brain isn't fighting for worrying where this kind of energy is coming from so it stops you getting those sort of real jittery feelings that can worsen underlying anxiety mm. um, it gives your brain a bit of a a break from that kind of being in that fight mode yeah absolutely so you go into that fight or flight that's using that sympathetic nervous system if you're in low blood sugar because your body needs to be able to do what it does to escape that danger mm -hmm. um and so that is really not the best place to be if you are already suffering from any kind of mental health conditions so it, this is quite a simple way to kind of just take some of that stress out of your stress bucket really yeah and it's something actually it feels quite a doable thing to start with is focusing on that balance it feels achievable which sometimes it can feel a bit overwhelming to make these changes but that's sounds like a good one to start and it feels like you'll get a good result quite quickly like you'll see and feel the difference quite quite soon would you say absolutely I think within a week usually mm -hmm. when I talk when I work with clients we kind of do a quitting sugar the first week because um, we don't really need kind of refined sugars at all to get people to read the back of labels, you know, and to pick a different product. Even things like mayonnaise have sugar in sometimes, and so you can pick ones that don't have it. Um, and then doing the three meals a day, no snacks. And I must admit, the first seven days can be quite tricky. People obviously have cravings. Yeah. Sugar is highly addictive. It's, I think re animal research has shown that it's more addictive than cocaine even. So, it, you know, you've got to be realistic about the fact that it's going to be a bit, a bit tough. But after that third yeah. week really really does um it goes away and people just feel so different and that positive change um is great and, and what i try to say is really let's think about the foods you can add in rather than the ones taking away so you're not feeling deprived so what we're doing is we're adding protein in we're adding healthy fats in and so it can actually make your meals feel more sumptuous than they did before yeah because i think that's interesting with making any lifestyle changes but feeling deprived i think it doesn't it doesn't help so any sort of diet it feels 
like yeah you that psychologically you're depriving yourself and I think then it doesn't help kind of make that long-lasting change yeah I think there's there's lots of foods that you can add in um to your diet that are really beneficial for um for helping improve brain health and helping to reduce anxiety so what I like to concentrate on is adding foods in rather than really concentrating on it being a diet and inverted commas it's really kind of a life you know a change to the way that you eat to make you feel better so I think that rather than a diet which I know that it's the same thing (laughs) but just psychologically it seems to help when you think you're just you're adding extra stuff in you're buying different things popping different things in um rather than taking things away yeah and I think especially if you you struggle with mood to take something away where, where it might have been a, a coping strategy, then it that feels really hard to do. So it sounds like cutting back on the sugar but then adding in foods that are actually gonna balance balance you, your body a bit more is helpful. Is yeah. there any specific foods that would reduce anxiety? There are absolutely, because there are foods that you need to get. Often what happens is if people don't have the correct raw materials, they're not getting the correct nutrients in, then there can be problems in mood. So for example, um, diets that are low in magnesium have been found to increase anxiety-related behaviours. And that's because magnesium helps to regulate the neurotransmitters, the brain signaling chemicals, um, especially in the part of our brain that's responsible for the stress response. So therefore not having enough magnesium in our diet can lead to a dysregulated stress response which means that we can be we can be less resilient to stress so foods that nat- are naturally rich in magnesium are things like leafy greens such as spinach and swiss chard and other sources are things like legumes you know kind of pulses nuts and seeds you know making sure that every meal you try and include something like those into your diet is going to make help you make sure that you get enough magnesium in to help make sure that you're, you've got that raw material to be able to regulate your stress hormones correctly. So, so that's really key. And that's, again, something nice that you can add in. Mm-hmm. And also um, foods that are rich in zinc. So another mineral can, has been linked to helping lower anxiety as well. And that's because zinc's really important for the specific neurotransmitter GABA, which is a very calming neurotransmitter and low levels of GABA have been linked to anxiety because GABA is that really like feel good you know we feel really zen and chilled mm-hmm. out that's that GABA and you need zinc for that and you can get zinc from things like oysters liver beef egg yolks cashews you know various things so that's really important to have have that in there and also just don't forget protein I find lots of and particularly women I have to say tend to eat not enough protein mm-hmm. in the day and you need protein because protein you know there's tiny um, building blocks that make up protein amino acids they are the raw materials that actually go to physically make your neurotransmitters your brain signaling chemicals so if you're not eating enough protein you won't have those building blocks that you need to even make those brain signaling chemicals so for example tryptophan is an amino acid, a protein building block. And that is the precursor that goes on to make serotonin, which is our feel good hormone. So if you're not having enough tryptophan in your diet, you're gonna be unable to make serotonin. And then serotonin goes on to make melatonin, which is the hormone that helps us to sleep. So if you're feeling very anxious and very low and not able to sleep, then have a look and make sure you're getting enough tryptophan in your diet. And you can get that from fish, from poultry, from eggs, uh, bananas you know there's all sorts of lovely foods that can can add that in so 
Wow. Making sure you have those foods in your diet could be one of the first steps to just making sure you're getting the ingredients that you need to produce the things that are going to make you feel better. Wow, that sounds amazing. In terms of what's your take on um, vitamin supplements? So I'm just thinking for some people that maybe don't like some of those foods and they think, oh, I just take a, a, a vitamin. Do you feel that's as effective or not as effective? Um, well, it's really, it's, it's interesting you should say that because obviously lots of people are used to doing that sort of more medicinal route where it's kind of a pill for an ill. So they mm. think a supplement may help. And in some ways they will do. You have to be very careful because some supplements are contraindicated with medication. So you yeah. have to make sure, so particularly you can get tryptophan supplements, but you absolutely mustn't take those if you're taking any kind of medication for depression like SSRIs or whatever because it can be problematic so I would always say before you take any supplements at all you check with your GP or your consultant and make sure that there aren't any contraindications between the supplements that you wish to take and your medication yeah. um, also the other thing to think is that what they're now discovering is obviously yes the individual ingredients are in the foods but they're part of a food matrix and they're finding that it's not just, so obviously magnesium and zinc and protein are really important, but there's lots of other things within those foods that can be beneficial for you too. So right. for example, in vegetables and fruits, you get um, these special chemicals called polyphenols. And they're the things that often give the um, vegetable fruit the pigment. So red in tomatoes is lycopene, for example, or the orange in carrots is beta carotene. And what they found is that these polyphenols can have a really positive effect on mental health as well. So by just taking a magnesium supplement, yeah, you get your magnesium. But if you were to eat the spinach, you'd be getting a whole heap of other stuff as well. Okay. So, so having a balanced diet and going for a food first approach is something I would always recommend because you get so much more from those excellent plant foods and, and yeah. animal foods than you would just from a from a supplement because you need the fiber that's in there as well to have a good healthy gut microbiome which mm -hmm. is something that people are now um, really linking to good mental health as well because in our in our gut in our large intestine we have probably about two kilos worth of um, bacteria archaea viruses uh, yeast all sorts of things living in there like a little city um, they all pull together to do all sorts of amazing things for us. They produce special chemicals called short chain fatty acids, which are beneficial for our health. They produce vitamins um, they do all sorts of stuff and they help regulate our immune system. And, and they can also, there's a huge link between good gut health and good mental health. So mm -hmm. in making sure that you get those polyphenols and that fiber can really help benefit um, the balance in our microbiome, which can have a knock on effect to to how we feel mentally as well. Wow. Just wondering about a lot of people, obviously, with, with anxiety and stress, they have other symptoms or illnesses as well. Do you feel like anxiety causes it, potentially causes those illnesses, like when we mentioned gut health, like IBS, or do you feel that actually it's the the illness itself, the imbalance in the body that causes the, the more of the mind imbalance? 
that's a really interesting question, Helen, because the research is showing that it's a really a two-way street between anxiety and IBS in particular. Um, that there's like a two-way communication that goes between the guts and the brain um, along a nerve called the vagus nerve, which runs from the hypothalamus in your brain all the way to your gut with your heart and lungs and stuff on the other side. But they found that there's real a two-way connection there so for example if you're feeling nervous you get kind of butterflies in your tummy don't you yeah. and equally if you've eaten something you know you've had food poisoning it can give you a really low mood mm -hmm. and the research is obviously still there's been lots of work by people like Dr Tim Spector and so on on the gut microbiome and they really still don't know which comes first it's sort of a chicken and egg situation yeah. but 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 from my experience with clients obviously I'm working with them primarily on their gut symptoms and the IBS but what I've really found is that if they don't also address the anxiety and their stress as well then it, we can't resolve the gut issues so there yeah. really needs to be looking at both things at the same time and I think the same for you Helen if you're working with people with anxiety they need to resolve the gut issues as well the thing that that I found obviously when I'm working because I'm working from the gut up is I found people where we found that they have an imbalance in their gut microbiome for example which we've managed to address we've kind of got their gut back into a healthy state again if they then are constantly um, in situations of anxiety and stress that can really raise their cortisol levels again you know that's that stress hormone that we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. and that can dampen down other body systems so basically cortisol is there to help you in your with your fight or flight response for you to get out of the situation of danger that you're in but the problem is is that's okay in an acute form but if that happens in a chronic setting as it does with modern life and things going on that can mean you can have those high levels of cortisol over a longer period of time now what happens is cortisol can sometimes dampen down some of the body systems that aren't necessary for you to run away from a saber-toothed tiger so sometimes you can find that it can dampen down your immune system or it can dampen down your digestion and what we find there is if it's dampening down your digestion it can lead to then those IBS symptoms coming back so mm -hmm. there is a there is a connection so it's really important to if you're if you're looking to heal your guts is to to try and address their stress as well if you can so and I'm sure that it works the other way as well like if you didn't address the gut symptoms you wouldn't be able to necessarily stop your 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 brain from not being as calm as it could be yeah I think that's important to know is there's no or no sort of one answer um it's addressing the whole the whole body system because it's obviously re reacts so closely with each other that's really yeah we're one we're one unit aren't we so our brain mm. it, how we think and our brain how our brain works isn't separate from how our heart works or our gut works or anything else we're yes. one big closed system where everything um kind of interacts with you know with each other so it's really important to remember that because i think there's been a separation of mental health from from physical health but how we act physically in that with our physical body is going to have a huge knock-on effect to, to to how we we work mentally as well yeah i think i agree there's there is such a separation yeah and look after you you know as one as one complete being rather than trying to address symptoms individually because I think you need to take that sort of more functional kind of whole body approach yeah. um, to anything that's happening. So, for example, it's not just obviously nutrition is really important in terms of getting the raw materials and that blood sugar balance, you know, and kind of cortisol balance, whatever. But, you know, things like exercise are super important, too. And I'm sure 
when you're working with clients as well that's something you recommend because that can help dissipate those stress hormones so if yeah. you are in a situation you know you're at work you're feeling really stressed out going for a run if that's possible for you whatever can help get rid of those stress hormones there so that you can come back feeling more relaxed because those stress hormones are there to help us fight or flee, aren't they? So mm -hmm. if you don't can't, can't do those things, going for a run or doing a workout can really help in terms of, um, of dissipating those things. And then also research shows doing those things like yoga or Pilates or Tai Chi, mm -hmm. um, those very calming exercises have been shown through research to help you build stress resilience, which, you know, helps you, you might not be able to change the causes of stress, but if you are able to deal with that more effectively, you know, with, without such a huge stress response, then then that that can be really helpful too. So it's important not to forget those those other areas as well. Yeah, and I think it's making those changes that make kind of have lots of different effects. So like exercise, like you said, it's not just it's for your health, but also it's about reducing stress. And there's lots of benefits you get from that one that one action. In terms of making these changes. A lot of people that are struggling with emotions and stress and anxiety and low mood use food as a way, as a tool to cope. So, you know, using sugar or alcohol or caffeine as a way to kind of maybe escape from those difficult feelings. Was there, is there any tips that you would give someone who's struggling with associating food that's going to affect their mood in a negative way, but as also something that's that they see as something that's going to soothe those feelings even though the truth is like you said it does the opposite yeah absolutely um, and that's something that you know is very common it's mm -hmm. really common because obviously food and or and or alcohol um can be associated with lots of different different emotions and you know you maybe grew up with food being used as a reward or something to comfort you. Um, and so that still will promote that response when you do it, even though in the long term, as you say, those things are more detrimental to our health. So obviously remember that's gonna give you that lovely feeling of that sort of dopamine response, isn't it? As soon as you as you do that, you're gonna have that lovely kind of reward feeling. So what I often ask clients to do is to see if there are other ways of being that can also give them that dopamine response that workable in their life so let's have a little look if you if you find yourself in a stressful situation always kind of in the fridge trying to identify what feeling it is you're trying to do so is it that you're looking for comfort is it because you are bored um is it because you're irritated so firstly trying to identify the exact emotion that it is that you're trying to to stifle or encourage is the is the first thing because it can be a whole variety of, of issues um, and so once you've identified what it is then have a little think up what other behaviors that you can do can also stimulate that response for you so that you know it's obviously quite difficult i tend to try and get people to write in a journal about foods and you know what they were feeling when they ate something you know what they were doing and that can like can help us work work back to find out what that is um yeah. and then just trying to, to put something else in so if it's comfort that you're looking for then you know maybe thinking about calling a friend or having a bath or mm. doing some other way of self-care that can give you that same feeling of relaxation being looked after um yeah. if it's if it's just out of boredom then sometimes going and standing outside the back door and getting some fresh air and some sun on your face can be really helpful mm. in 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 that you know that that sort of, sort of simpler response um and then just trying to kind of work back from there and 
often if you've broken those blood sugar imbalance cravings, making those clear decisions and looking at why you're doing stuff can be a bit easier. But it's still it's quite tricky if you're still kind of really under that that sort of sugar addiction. So it tends to be something we move on to after you've broken that. I often say to people, I give them a great test. So I call it the tuna and celery test. So if you're going to kind of open that bag of crisps or get some chocolate, ask yourself, am I hungry? You know, is it, would I be prepared to eat a tin of tuna or a stick of celery at this point? If the answer is yes, then obviously you're hungry. So eat, you shouldn't be starving yourself. This isn't a starvation thing. But if the answer is actually, no, I wouldn't eat a tin of tuna or a stick of celery, then that's the time to say, okay, why am I eating? Why why do I feel the need to, to eat these things at the moment? And then kind of go on from there, really. Yeah, I wonder if that helps give you that moment to step back because a lot of our behaviour mm and our response to emotions are so automatic and we're programmed in to sort of feel something and then think oh I've got to numb it or avoid it or get rid of that feeling it becomes a very fast response I wonder if yeah. doing something like that question it gives you that moment to feel a bit more in control of what you choose to do instead um, rather than being controlled by those habits and those behaviours. Absolutely. It's just that moment, isn't it? It's that moment of consideration Yeah. Um, that you can do. And, and yeah, and you've got to remember, think about what's, what's best for, for you and for your body. It's also self-care is, is about looking after yourself and keeping your body in, in, in the best possible way that you can. Um, so self-care isn't kind of, overeating foods that aren't good for your body even though they make you feel good at that time and I think it's interesting to try and change that way of looking at it really yeah yeah it's just shifting your perspective on it I think a lot of work that I would do is about recognizing how we feel and naming that and being more aware of that because once you know it then you can look at like you said an alternative so that you're not feeling I've got nothing to cope or deal with this feeling, but using other ways that are not going to give you those harmful consequences are going to be more useful. And it's exactly yeah. the same with food and making those choices because from what you say, it has such a huge impact on how we feel mentally. It feels like it's it's very important to address that habit if we're reliant on food or those unhealthy foods, unhelpful foods to help us give it that that quick fix of feeling better in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so important to to look after all of our physical needs. So looking at, as you say, at habits around food, looking at exercise, looking at sleep, looking at relaxation. Without all of those things in place, the changes that you make may not be as successful so mm. I think it's it's um everybody's an individual there's no kind of one size fits all approach but if you have the time to kind of examine how you're you're living in all of these areas then it's all kind of parts of the puzzle to kind of helping you feel better isn't it yeah definitely definitely so you think in if someone was thinking, yeah, actually, I need to make a change, I need to look at what I'm feeding my body, I want to feel healthier, whatever those motivations are, what's the first action someone needs to take? So I'd say their blood sugar balance is always key, Helen. I think it's yeah. so important because until you've broken that um, that cycle, that roller coaster effect, 
it's really difficult to mentally make any other changes um, because your energy may be low, you have those feelings of hangriness and irritability and so on. So I would always recommend, and it's something I do with every client I've, I work with, is to work on that blood sugar balance because it helps you clear your mind so that you can then successfully make other changes. Um, so that's yeah. the first thing I would always suggest. Okay. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, and it's it's a simple thing to do. It's three meals a day, no snacks, and it's not cal calorie controlled. It's not any of those. It's just making sure you have protein and healthy fats at each of those meals, and those will really, really help you balance. Brilliant. That's such good advice. Yeah, a few things I'm definitely going to be taking away from today. And <laughs> you start to think, ah, what did I have for breakfast this morning? Um, <laughs> carbs but yeah it's I, I do definitely recognize the difference when you're eating differently how how you feel not having that slump and then it, yeah I think it must make such a difference so in terms of you're, you're based in Leon C how would someone yeah. contact you or start potentially reaching out to discuss things a bit more yeah absolutely you can find me on my website which is alexallennutrition.co.uk and that's a-l-e-x-a-l-l-a-n Scottish spelling. Um, so that's alexandernutrition.co.uk. And there, in fact, actually, if you, it comes up a little pop up, you can get my guide to blood sugar balance um, if mm. you'd like to, to download that. And equally, you can book in there for a free 30 minute kind of health and energy review. Uh, so you can book in to come and have a chat to me about your diet um, mm. and what's going on for you. And we can give you some simple tips to get you feeling better. And then if people are interested in working with me, we can chat about that too. Yeah, so yeah, find me at my website, the best place. But I'm also on Instagram and Facebook for kind of recipes and little nutrition tips. Brilliant. It's been so interesting. And I think it's definitely an area in terms of mental health and linking, actually not just that general advice of, yeah, eat, eat more healthily. It's just, you know, it's not always very helpful. But to actually that if we've got that understanding about why and how literally biologically it impacts on our bodies I think that help will help it helps that motivation to actually make a change if we really know why um, and how it will help so thank you for sharing all of those those nuggets of uh, of information it's brilliant oh you're very welcome Helen thank you so much for inviting me along today and I and I hope it helps with all the brilliant work that you're doing it's just another piece of the puzzle to kind of add into that Exactly, exactly. I think that's, yeah, trying to sort of think of it in that whole body approach and adding those tools together, building that resilience to deal with, deal with life and all the stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. It's been lovely to talk to you today. Thank you, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Carmine Toolkit podcast. In the next episode, I'll be joined by Charlie from the Pilates Sanctuary, where Charlie runs a number of different Pilates classes, including one for mums and their children, and Pilates on the beach. So I hope you can join us there.